It's 12 Enough, Season 11, Episode 10, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Mark Chafin. Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Mark Chafin is the interfaith chaplain at the Baptist Health Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in Scotia, New York. And he is also very active in many other ways. This podcast is brought to you by the desire to reclaim the sense of enchantment in our culture and society today. We've separated ourselves too long from that sense of wonder, the enchanted, and Jungian archetypes. Which one are you? Order now and get the whole set. Trade with your partners. Make your archetypes different. Come on, Jung is back. And we're back. Jungian Archetypes? That's crazy. Can they really sponsor a podcast? Come on. Anyway, good to have you back. Glad to have you back. I hope you uh, enjoyed the previous episode about hiking. And now we're back to talking. Hike, we talk. We hike, you talk. That's what we do. So I had this great conversation with Mark Chafin, and it was actually beginning of the summer that I had it, and just life gets busy, and it's hard for me to keep up with all the editing and all that fun stuff. Fun, fun stuff. Uh, so, But Mark has been sitting and waiting for me to put it on the air. He actually, what he said was, what he wants to do is just have the conversation live with me again. So Mark has actually been sitting in my office this whole time for about two and a half, three months, just saying, is today the day? Is today the day that I get to just speak live into people's ears through the magic of podcasts? And I said, not yet, Mark. Not yet, buddy. But it's coming. Now, uh, Mark reached out to me because he had really some powerful experiences in his own spirituality and life and something he wanted to share, something that um, he felt kind of speaks into certain aspects of what's happening in our culture, our society, and I'm always happy to indulge and have that conversation, and it was so good, I said, we we got to share this. Can we share this? And he said, okay. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Mark Chafin that I had. Uh, listen and really just be aware of our own sense of identity and who we are, and enjoy. I'm here with Mark Chaffin. Uh, Mark is the interfaith chaplain at the Baptist Health Nursing and Rehabilitation Center, um, the one in Scotia, New York, not the one that's in Raleigh, North Carolina. Sure. I don't know if there is one in Raleigh, North Carolina, but I feel like there should be a lot of these Baptist Health Nursing and Rehabilitation yeah. Centers everywhere. Probably Texas. Probably Texas. Yeah. Everything there is Baptist or Methodist, one or the other. Pretty much. So, uh, Mark, it's great to have you on the show. 
Thank you. Uh, long time, first time. Yeah, yeah. This is I mean, this is fantastic. We Mark and I uh, did a mission trip together. Was that to the Dominican? That was DR. Yep. Yep. So that was a good a good trip, and um, have just kind of been aware of each other's movings and and actions and and such. And um, you know, but you reached out to me because you have just a fascinating story uh, or experience, and I think why don't you just go ahead and just and start to share some of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, And feel free to jump in. Yeah, definitely will. Um, So uh, the presenting feature, uh, Mm -hmm. as we say in healthcare or um, symptom, (laughs) is um, that now um, six months ago, I started a program in spiritual direction, Mm -hmm. a two-year program with the Hayden Institute, um, attending the northern campus in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And it's a program that was started by a union analyst, Bob Hayden, um, and it's been continuing on with great success uh, down in North Carolina, as well as um, on the shores of the Niagara River. Um, it's a program that I've been interested in um, in terms of spiritual direction because right. um, my process is one that seems to become have become more contemplative with time, mm-hmm. uh, but it's sort of been intermittent off and on, and I've really looked to try to establish more of a, a rule for my own life, um, a more consistent um prayer experience. And so this was all to uh, help support and provide structure to that um, growth uh, in contemplative spirituality. Good. So so you're at this center for contemplative spirituality, trying to really formulate a sense of structure, guidance for your own, um, you know, as spiritual practices and such. And as you shared before, very briefly with me, something happened. Something did. Um, so part of this is a uh, very important component is Jungian uh, spirituality and Jungian psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets us to look at our inner life um, from a couple of different perspectives. And the mentors of the program um, include uh, both men and women, mm-hmm. um, one of whom, uh, Diana McKenna, was uh, doing a presentation on the divine feminine. Uh, so some Jungian um, typology here. Right. Um, we all possess um, men, an archetype of the feminine, the anima, mm-hmm. and women, the archetype of the masculine, or the animus. Okay. So um, we were given an opportunity to do an exercise of selecting a picture of the divine feminine, uh, a goddess, if you will, and to take that and let that image speak to us, to dialogue on paper uh, and hear what she had to say to me in that experience. Well, it was about 20 minutes of writing and and dialoguing, um, Mm -hmm. and I just felt a, a very powerful sense of someone who loved me with a great compassion. Hmm. Uh, The picture I chose had a very kind of soft focus to it. It was kind of like the look that babies give you 
Um, yeah. So it was somehow embracing, but also uh, able to speak in a deep way to to my soul within. Hmm. And I just heard I just heard great compassion. Well, it moved me, Jonathan, mm-hmm. to uh, to tears. Wow. And so the the presentation continued. Yeah. Uh, but the tears didn't stop. Wow. And I spent most of the rest of the, that afternoon trying to process through some uh, embodied expression in creative arts uh, of what that was about. Right. Um, and so I've come to understand that because I'm a person who um, lives in his head, mm-hmm. uh, and my experience of what God is has been a, a very theological, cognitive approach to, um, to divinity, I needed to shift and do more with my hands, mm-hmm. more with an embodied um, and contemplative approach. So that process has continued now through the second weekly session, which happened in April. Yeah. And it's just been a daily awareness that um, there's somebody who watches over and is looking after me, who who bears and carries my soul um, right. in a loving and compassionate way. So, Mark, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, you, you are, so you're a chaplain, you have an MDiv. Yep. yep. Um, so seminary trained. Yes. Do you want to shout out your seminary or would you rather not? Uh, sure. Well, now it's uh, um, Andover Newton oh. Seminary at Yale Divinity School. Yes, it's so. good. Another Andover Newton grad. That, also, that's, that's a mouthful. Yeah, I know. I, I just, I'll just say Andover Newton. Um, so, you know, a reputable school. And I'm assuming at, at this school, you know, like, I, I like how you said like before you're very cognitive in your understanding of God, very in your head, very intellectual. Yeah. Yeah, and and the description descriptions you have of God of now, or not of God. I don't want to impose that, but of of this, a sense of the divine, uh, right? With, with compassion, of holding you, of being with you. These these aren't, um, these aren't new, to um, you know just Western theology, right? no. like these aspects. But there's something different about your experience. So I'm not I, I'm not I'm not saying like. You knew this already, so what's the big deal? But there seems to be this, uh, what I'm hearing in this real shift from the head to the heart. Yes. Um, and is, can you say a little bit about like the stuff you were doing with your hands, the creative um, aspect that, that you started to really engage in? Because it sounds, it, it sounds like that was part of this unlocking for you. It, it was. Um, so so the, the work of... Uh, contemplative formation, which mm-hmm. I can say wasn't totally lacking uh, mm-hmm. in my seminary education uh, right. in the mid-90s. Um, there were certainly aspects of that, opportunities for that, retreats. Uh, I made it myself available to do spiritual direction oh, good. during yeah. that time. So I had, a, I had a little taste of it. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't something that was integrated into my total um, formation as as a minister, um, and and it didn't have a, a huge role, I would say. Okay. So it came to me. It came to me that um, being so cognitively laden, um, and so another term for that is logos thinking. Mm-hmm. So it, it's word oriented, right? You know, as opposed to image, body. Um, 
and heart-oriented. So taking the mind and descending into the heart is right. one way that mystics have talked about uh, experiencing the god or goddess within. Right. Um, so that there's, you know, this, uh, the mystical understanding of this, and my, I guess, preferred way of speaking of uh, that larger spirit is the living, loving mystery. Oh, that's that we, great. That we all serve and that has created us, um, sustained us, and um, one day will will come for us. Hmm. So that, that process has um, been helped out, um, facilitated by uh, walking labyrinths. Oh, yeah. I have a, a finger labyrinth, which is a 12-inch version of the Chartres um, labyrinth in France. Right. Uh, so you use your non-dominative <clears throat> finger and... You, you do the same process of emptying, uh, receiving a message, mm. and then contemplating that um, as it impacts your life on the, on the way out. Right. Um, the artwork that I did was, um, frankly, coloring. Okay, yeah. One aspect, I made a, um, a talking stick using yarn and beads and mm. feathers. Um, so there were a number of projects that I was sort of involved in over the seven right. days. Yeah. So that that idea of bring a, bringing a physicality into the experience. Yes. But but not just a physicality, and this may be getting to the the embracing of the feminine. Um, not just a physicality that is pure like brute strength or athleticism, but a physicality no. that is certainly connected with the creativity. It is a it's a direct connection. Yeah. Uh, so, so the, so the feminine, the divine feminine, works on our creative side. So that's that's the anima that's been asleep. It's been part of the shadow. Right. Um, needing to bring in and integrate that into my own spiritual experience. And you know, as I look to having a practice as a spiritual companion. Right. Uh, beyond this program, beyond my time as a a chaplain in retirement, mm -hmm. that thing I want to very much uh, continue to work with and help people make that connection to their own center of creativity. Because so, that's important for all of us. Yeah, so I was going to ask that if this, um, I mean, you're using some good Jungian terms, and I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Um, but not being a Jungian myself, uh, I'm gonna. I may. I may ask for a little bit of illumination on some sure. of those. Um, sure. Feel pun intended. Free. So, so the anima. I get the anima animus. Um, yeah. But but then you said the anima is, has been in the shadow side. So so we have a shadow, which is that larger part of our experience that is intrudes on our conscious life um, in ways that can be positive or or negative. Right. Um, Ending. But the more that we be are able to be conscious of our shadow archetypes right. and bring them into conscious awareness, the less they screw up our our way our way of being a human being and on the planet. Because uh, it, it it will impact if right. we aren't paying attention and um, seeing where the the origins of this are, so I was aware of the shadow when I was eighteen and a undergraduate. Okay, and I had a very powerful image. It was a frightening dream. 
not going to call it a nightmare, but it mm-hmm. happened at night, um, of, I will say now, a divine feminine figure, and it could have been Kali because it was this very dark, imposing uh, figure with teeth and mm. um there wasn't dialogue, there wasn't sort of any action, but this was something at a developmental stage in my own life right. that this became an awareness that I really only in the last six months have come to understand what was um, being shown to me at that time. So it's kind of a precursor to um, becoming awake. Okay. So, I mean, I get this part that, or this idea that there's part of us that if we're not true to that part, if we suppress it, it yeah. will it will come out in negative ways, and perhaps harmful ways. It will indeed. Yeah, it will. Um, um, that's that's not only on an individual level, but that's on a, a societal level. Yeah. I was, go ahead. No. Go I ahead. was going to get to that because I was wondering when when you say so. This the anima has been in the shadow. Do you see that on? On us, let's just go stay within Christianity for now. Do you see that within like Protestant Christianity? Uh, certainly so. Um, in, in in what ways? So. Well, um, so generally speaking, we we are in a society that that rapes the earth, mm. that scorns and disempowers women, yeah, and that denies deity a feminine face. Uh, and that's largely true mm-hmm. of Christianity, Western Christianity, for the most part. Certainly, um, evangelical Christianity, mm-hmm. which um, you know there are pockets of, and younger people are much more uh, cognizant of the damage that we're doing to to the environment. Right. But and they may be more um, sort of pro women and pro choice. Um, but on the whole. There's still, you know, however much it was, 40% that um, supported uh, the current president, who will not be named, right, uh, right. Last, in, the, in the last election, which is is so disturbing to me. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it bodes ill because if the people who know these things and are experts in um, climate change are right. You know, we have a dozen, 15 years at best right. to try to right the ship, right. which means waking up, and that includes the church. Um, and my contention is that we haven't done the inner work mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because technology and education and all the awareness that we try to, you know, draw from uh science and all of that hasn't helped us, Jonathan. We're none the better for it. Right. So really the response is, and, and my contention here is, that it's a contemplative consciousness that's required to appreciate this, hmm. one that's integrated the uh, sacred masculine right. and divine feminine and embraces our common great mother because you know, the origin to the word matter is magna materia. And if oh. we go to the Sanskrit um, etymology and mm-hmm. origins, that's the great mother. We oh, are okay. stuff. But as as men, uh, we've had generations of men who've, you know, been alienated from 
both our sacred masculine and from the divine feminine, which would be sensitive to the fact that we're destroying, you know, we're, we're crapping in our nest. You know, an, animals and birds don't do this. Right. They know better. But right, right. We're, we're oblivious to this, you know, short-term gains, you know, when we will pay through the nose for these short-lived shows. Um, <laughs> we're not mindful of, of the seven generations that, you know. Right. Uh, you know, Native American uh, spirituality says we need to be mindful of when we make decisions because it's about more than us. So I'm wondering, I, with the, so, um, yeah, you're, you're getting close to a rant, um, which is fine. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about mileage. But a part of the stuff I'm hearing in that is this, the, I mean, the separation of self, the, the reliance on technology um, yeah. and the reliance on scientism and, and um, within our culture and the separation we have from nature. I've, I've seen this kind of language elsewhere. Uh, I don't mean this in a, neg- in a good way. Um, sure. Around the terms of enchantment, have sure. you seen that? So I was thinking of especially yep. of uh, a while ago. I read Morris Berman's book, "The Reenchantment of the World." Um, yes. Do you know that book? I don't know that book, but okay. that that term, you know, is we're talking about awe or wonder. So yeah. so I find that in in Mary Oliver's poetry. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, the beginning of prayer is really to you know kneel down and observe what we see. And to be in awe of right. that. But, so that's that contemplative mindset. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that Berman tries to do that I don't think he does successfully, you know, Morris Berman is, uh, from what I remember, he wrote this book in the 80s. Um, he's, yep. a, he's a historian of science. And he's really looking at um, the, the shift of, I, of Isaac Newton from his alchemist um, uh, tendencies and leanings to more of to yes. you know Newtonian physics, what we know now. Um, sure. And and he's saying we, we do need to to try to re-embrace the sense of enchantment that you find within alchemy. But Berman mm-hmm. is trying to do it really is really trying to avoid any kind of incantation of divi- of the divine or of a holy other or of a transcendent or even like you said the living Big, loving yeah. mystery. And yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Oh, good. So you agree? Because yeah, I don't think this is where I think religion is, um, a, you know, continues to be vital or salvific. Um, in that, we can help to evoke an awareness that it's not just about us, but God is a part of this. There is a divine. There is an other. Um, this awe, as you're talking about, and and that might help us to d- gain a deeper connection with. Okay. All creation. Um, Berman is saying that um, it's trying to argue for a sense of enchantment without the divine. And I think an awareness yeah. of the divine, of the holy other, of that sense of awe is essential for bringing humanity into this greater sense of that it's more than us. Uh, to be reconnected yeah. with the earth, reconnected with each other, um, and, and connected in a way that is not uh, one of conquering. And one of winning. Is that yeah, kind of weird? It's not consumption and competition. Right. It's cooperation and and, and enchantment. Surely, surely. Yeah. Um, I I mean that one of the things I like about the different terminology, though the anima and animus, um, <clears throat> is is it? I think it speaks to what is still very much a male dominated culture. 
Um, enchantment doesn't speak to that in that in a same way. The, the uh, no. Um, so and uh, and I think we need to uh, you know we're, we're both we both identify as as male, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I should have asked beforehand. No, I'm not coming out. Okay. Well, so I mean, it's... so we, and we both identify as male, um, and I, you know, and and for us to be talking about the anima, um, one could make a critique saying, you know, with a couple of guys trying to get it, um, but maybe. Sure. It makes sense for us to start to talk about it because we're saying we are clearly we're we're recognizing how we're missing something, um, just in exactly. in being a part of our in being a part of the culture. Exactly. What, go ahead. That's how we're socialized. Yeah. And um, so, if we're not aware of that, we're not going to make any strides to try to reclaim something that's an essential. It's fifty percent. Fifty percent of who I am. Right. Uh, is my anima. Hmm. Uh, so Robert Johnson, who's a, a union analyst, okay. says that there are few of us male types that understand that almost all of a man's sense of value, belongingness, safety, joy, contentment, belongingness, and happiness is from his inner feminine nature. Hmm. It's that feminine nature that validates my, my masculine experience. Right. So I'm not even in my total or full masculine experience if I'm not bringing in and having dialogue internally with the anima and the animus. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's that serious. Well, what I like about that is it's a move away from the dichotomy of saying there's a one or the other or there's a battle between the two. I mean, I think we favored one. And we favored both and. Yeah, that it has to be a both and, and that. So what we're looking for is not so much. We're not saying um, men get in touch with the feminine side. We're saying more people get in touch with the wholeness of who you are. Exactly. Mm. Because but, if we're not, then we're not. We're not fully integrated. And Jung would say we're not individuated. Hmm. We haven't uh, matured into our deepest self. So we're always, in some ways, uh, a lacking. And ultimately, if Robert Johnson is right, we can't experience joy. Hmm. And that's really been the overwhelming feeling state that I've had. Um, it's just a sense of gratitude and joy. Right. It's ama- amazing. So can you say more? About, no, say, can you, I want to go back to the word compassion. Okay, because that's—I mean—you started with that, where you just had this deep sense of compassion. Uh, are you comfortable unpacking that a little bit more? Saying say more about that idea, that feeling, that experience. Sure. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to be um, drawn from the New Testament um, and Scripture. You know, God so loved the world. God right. so loved Mark. Um, you know, we. We uh, unpack our theology with a sense of um, unmerited love and grace. Hmm. Um, Having, again, a sort of logos understanding, a cognitive appreciation, awareness of that, um, is one that I've been steeped in. 
Um, it's a different thing to mm-hmm. understand. And so when I read scripture now, Jonathan, mm-hmm. I try to read it contemplatively. I try to see Jesus as a mystic. Okay, yeah. To see him as one who taught contemplatively. Mm-hmm. And so much of, you know, parables and his proverbs and his his total style of and method of teaching right. really comports with what many of the mystics um, throughout you know the succeeding centuries yeah. have demonstrated but understanding that the one who I was birthed from hmm. the womb in which I was dreamt wow that's beautiful forth um you know sophia so you know i hope we get a chance to talk about sophia because okay. um it's so so prevalent in hebrew scripture yeah and it's a more hidden and sort of uh behind the veil in in the new testament but certainly there somebody's reckoned besides god and jesus sophia is the third being um, most discussed in the biblical tradition Hmm. which is astounding to me because we hear nothing, nothing of it, you know, in our liturgy, right. in our, you know, unless we're reading, um, you know, Elizabeth Johnson or, you know, mm-hmm. a feminist scholar, right. you know, we're not, we're not going to hear that. We're not going to be able to appreciate that. But to come from that place of contemplative um, experience of my divine Sophia, my mother who birthed me, Right. Uh, and that total sense of being cared for, um, held safe, um, that she is always with me, um, has just been just been powerful. So um, I touch my heart chakra a lot. Mm-hmm. And if I do, yeah, there will be there will be tears that will start to come because oh, that's where she speaks to me. OK, that's beautiful. It's right. It's it's right right here. I don't know if you can see that. It's right there. And and for those who can't see, Mark was patting right uh, on his heart. Whereas I, you know, unless, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I, uh, the, I, I, that really opens up the Psalm 137, I think, where it's Mm -hmm. part of it is fearfully and wonderfully where I was made. You knew me while I was, before I was knit in the womb. And, and yes. to open up that idea of the womb, because we usually read it as like as in my mother's womb, but to say the womb of the womb of God um, has this uh, this cooperation in, in creation that I think is just is just beautiful. Yeah, and that's it's the womb love. Yeah, you know. Um, so the etymology is 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 womb love, and how can we not see the divine who has a feminine face right. in that? Right, you know, not guys, not many guys, sporting a womb. <laughs> nope, nope, we didn't get that part. <laughs> um, Those uh, who identify as male, anyway. Right, right, yeah. So, the, so the idea of Sophia, I have heard other people connect uh, the idea of Sophia wisdom mm-hmm. um, with the Holy Spirit, uh, numina, ruach. Sure. Uh, and that's and that's what I've I've tended to see in you know Orthodox you know Christian theology when it does sure. delve into biblical studies, um, but but I, I I get the feeling that you're you're pushing a little bit more than than just that. 
Um, certainly there are um, ties to, um, to Holy Spirit mm-hmm. uh, as a figure for Sophia. Um, but, you know, folks who have, you know, done a deep study um, really see Jesus, Sophia, mm. as the stronger uh, biblical candidate to carry that title. So when in Proverbs 8, mm-hmm. uh, Lady Wisdom is out in the square and in the streets calling for the citizens to listen to her right. and for the fools to wake up, you know, that's that's Lady Wisdom's call. And we, we find parallel to that in Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come unto me, all who are labored and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, you know, yoke up with me mm-hmm. and learn of me because I'm meek and lowly, I'm humble in heart, and you'll find rest, right. rest for, it's soul rest. Mm. So, you know, that's that's what the Divine Feminine offers. Uh, we see Jesus echoing that in a very powerful way. Um, but more than just language, you know, his mode of, of teaching, mm-hmm. you know, drawing from creation uh, heavily right. uh, in his parables and um, uh, so on, gives us, you know, a very, I think, strong um, vote of confidence that, that he is the Sophia voice coming through, albeit, um, you know, it's somewhat veiled. It's not blatant. Um, and, and the Bible, uh, I guess, editors, uh, you know, who didn't want to include the Gospel of Thomas, and, okay. you know, uh, Gospel of Mary Magdalene and other things. Right. Um, we would have more of that, mm. uh, but for their sort of selective uh, bias, I suppose you'd say. Well, I, I, you know, I still I ascribe to the theory that the Holy Spirit was certainly a part of the formation of the canon, um, but it's not to the point where we need to completely exclude those books that are extra canonical. I mean, there still is wisdom to be garnered from them. Um, but I, I am I am more orthodox when it comes to canonical theory, but that's okay. Um, hopefully, you can forgive me with that on that. All is forgiven. Oh, good. <sighs> There's forgiveness. There is. There so this is now. This has been a successful podcast. That's all I need. It's just for if every guest just tells me all is forgiven, then I'm doing great. Uh, what do you do with the cross? Um. Well, you know, part of Sophia is is um, part of Sophia expression and language heavily connects to suffering, hmm. especially the suffering of the poor. Yeah. The injustice that's done uh, to the people of the land, right? So, you know, suffering is the experience we enter into through the cross, right? Uh, Jesus connects to humanity through the cross and through the sufferings of of God's people um, by the cross, right? Um, I do. Th- I do have um, sort of a different take on it. Atonement as at one mint. Okay. And um, it's not so much in the, you know, the salvific sense, right. um, per se, in terms of if we're talking, you know, individual salvation. Uh, but we need to find a new way to envision at one mint with the creative order, right. and with the presence of Sophia who Proverbs says was co-creator at the beginning with Yahweh. Yeah. And that 
process of being at one allows us to identify other creatures of God as brothers and sisters in the same way that St. Francis does. Um, it allows us to acknowledge we are part of the creation. Um, you know, the dominion theology that that arose out of uh, certain readings of Genesis and so on. Right. And back in the 60s, Lynn White said, uh, you know, that's the historic root of our ecological crisis is that we have this dominion understanding uh, power over this anthropocentrism uh, right. view of, of the creation. Right. We don't see ourselves as part of that. And so at one moment says, I am kin, I am brother, I am sister with all of God's creation. Um, and that means I'm responsible. That may, Okay, yeah. So, so through the cross, we are brought back into relationship with God and with others. Is that kind of what you're... Yeah, it's so so Jesus is calling for more than just saving me from my sins. Okay. As wonderful as that may be. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> taking that. Uh, right. Not giving that back. No, no. <laughs> but 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 really it's about reclaiming the whole order of creation. So as we, you know, we we look at Isaiah um, and we look at the vision of the new earth, um, you know, right. and Isaiah and and, and in the Revelation, um, you know, that is a cosmic order. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Thomas Berry and other folks who, who do a lot in this area, you know, would like us to shift from seeing it on an individual uh, level and seeing it more on a species, on a, you know, cosmological level, because that's really what's at stake here. And right. if we, we don't get that right, um, you know, frankly, we're, we're cooked. We are. Or frozen. Or drowned. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Right. Or or we take your pit. Yeah. Or drought. Yeah. I mean there's the the fun thing about the ecological crisis upon us is there's many options for how our destruction will come. You know, and it's like it's a wonderful. menu. Yeah. We that, like like diversity. We, we like, like options. We like freedom of choice. And we're <laughs> we're making sure of that. No uh, so I mean I almost hear that with through the cross we enter into this already not yet kind of place where we can then have the audacity to say, I am now living into the fullness of the kingdom of God, and I am calling creation to join me. Yeah. And that, and we start to work towards that. Is that... Is, you know, it's, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's a very important Kairos moment. Yeah. You know, in, in our... Um, church experience, in our ecclesiology, in our um, ecological uh, and theological understanding, in our um, awareness of how does my lifestyle need to change in order for this planet to go on. I mean, it, right. it's not any more complicated than that, but, you know, we're, we're loath to, to really see it for what it was. I, I wrote this um, quote down from James Lovelock, who... Okay. Uh, is the Gaia hypothesis fellow, uh, former astronaut. He says, Gaia is no doting mother, tolerant of misdemeanors. She is stern and tough, always keeping the world warm and comfortable for those who obey the rules, but ruthless in her destruction of those who transgress. Hmm. And, and that's, you know, we've got to get in line with um, the principles of physics and biology and chemistry because... Right. 
that they the rules written at that level are what determine the outcome of extinction of species. And so, so that how does that square with the feelings of compassion that you have, or that you that you experienced on this retreat? Because I don't hear <laughs> compassion in in that. Quote. No, that no, there's well, there's not. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of a tough love. Yeah. If you want, but this is the dark mother. Okay. So, so the dark goddess is, mm-hmm. um, you know, the most ancient earth goddess. Um, you know, we find it in uh, some 500 um, sacred sites throughout uh, Europe of the Black Madonna. Okay. Um, so that that's kind of the um, present day um, manifestation of the Black Madonna or the the Black Goddess. But but she is. She's a tough mother, mm-hmm. and she has she has rules about how her children need to honor her mm-hmm. and to honor. You know, we would say the laws of nature. You know, don't mess with Mother Nature. You can't. right. There's a price to pay for ignoring this. Right, right. Um, which, which I yeah, that I get. I mean, when I go backpacking or I take groups, I say there's certain things you just can't mess around with. You know, if a thunderstorm's coming, you get off the mountain. You That's know, right. Stand up there and say, "Well, God loves me so much that I'm not going to get struck by lightning." No, you're going to get struck by lightning and you're going to die. That's. I've been I've been on the top of Mount Madison uh, during a, a thunderstorm. I can tell you, yes, yeah. scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to mess around. If a snowstorm happens, you got to get off the mountain. Um, you, know. you know, I. So so yeah so that's a reality of of creation. I think, and, and and I think I think that speaks to our disharmonious, disharmonious. Is that really a word? I don't think that's a word. Our, our oh, uh, we'll add it to the lectionary. We'll add it. Great, good. The, lexic- the, lexicon, the lexicon of yeah, great. Yes. Our unharmonious relationship with creation will lead to our own destruction, um, and that that's kind of what I'm hearing. Um, I'm assuming that when you're speaking of dark mother, um, that these are metaphors, or does this go beyond metaphors? Is this uh, uh, no, this is a metaphor. Um, you know, the, 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 there are different faces of Sophia, different mm-hmm. faces of the divine feminine, and one of them is is the dark goddess, the dark mother, uh, the earth mother. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, from 30,000 years ago in the Paleolithic, you know, you have these Venus figures mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, were used in, in sacred rites, probably by women, um, and it was a way to bring the the kin group, the tribe, um, you know, the benefits of uh, the hunt or, um, you know, aspects of uh, good childbearing and, and health to the individuals of, of the family. Right. These, these are things that are very deeply in our spiritual DNA. Mm. You know, and if, if, we're, if we're operating out of our, you know, cognitive logos minds, um, you know, it's just myth. Uh, it can be discarded. It can be um, overlooked. And mm. so but, that's yeah, and that's why I like metaphor more than myth. Um, I think myths all myth always speaks to a truth. Yeah. So um, I, I hold to that more understanding of myth is um, that it's not something that can easily be discarded because then we're discarding a truth about ourselves. 
Exactly. Yeah, you know, or so about our experience. In the realm of, of of myth, and it's it's been practiced, um, you know, from um, the Indus Valley to to you know the west coast of Ireland for mm. for literally thousands of years, um, and and that's something to take seriously. Yeah. So the the dark mother and her um, tough rules pertains right. as much as the loving mother who embraces me and and holds me in her her arms. So, I mean, part of my job um, is to try to bring this into uh, language that the people in my pews can understand. And and I I get there are some Christian churches, um, some Christians, many Christians, who will immediately understand what you're saying. Um, sure. uh, you know, especially with with the union archetypes, with anima animus, dark mother. Um, you know, they'll get it right away, and and it will speak to them right away. But there are many other Christians for whom uh, this language may become a barrier. It's heresy, Jonathan. Well, Come on. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying real hard to, to, to open up those doors. <laughs> I don't think it is heresy. I don't think it's heretical. Um, well, I, it's not, but it, 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 it certainly in many quarters would be viewed as such. You know, to talk about goddess and goddess language. Right. Um, you know, we can't even, uh, you know, have a, a, a woman pastor uh, yeah. who, who leads our church, you know. So we're, we're not even that far. I know. And that's part of the frustration is to even talk about the feminine of God. Yeah. Um, that Rosemary, Ruther, Rad, uh, Rosemary, Rosemary Ruther's book um, yes. is, is still revolutionary for many people. That, and that book it came is. out in the 80s as well. It says it we, we are moving at a snail's pace. Um, we are. We and, are. And, and I think part of your, your lament about the most recent evangelical um, embrace of the current president speaks to this feeling of we've gone backwards. We've gone backwards. Um, yeah, and, and well, I'm, there's pushback. You know, there's a yeah. the, the, the very expected, anticipated pushback. Right. Um, but still harmful uh, and, and still, you know, not, not great at all for, for any of us. So I, I, that's a part of what I need to do is to say, you know, God is compassionate and also fair. God is Sophia. Just. Yeah. There's, there's the concept of righteousness as justice. Yeah. I mean, parts of this, I mean, part of what we're talking about really works well with Easter Sunday and the Easter season leading to Pentecost. It does. Parts it does. of this works really well with Ash Wednesday and Lent. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Our mortality, you know, our the fact that we are of the earth. Mm-hmm. We are earth men, earth women, made of clay. Absolutely. I mean, this, this could really open up the Ash Wednesday to say, remember that from dust you were made and dust you were be, and we are out of sync with the dust that we even came from. So, exactly. so wear exactly. this mark as a reminder of how yeah. broken we, we've become in our relationship with creation. And there's much to repent of, you know, in yeah. the sense that that is the transformation of heart and mind to right ourselves and to follow the voice of Sophia when she cries out to us. Um, yeah. Because that's 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 incumbent upon us. You know, we're, we're in this Kairos moment and, you know, our response will um, bode well or ill mm. for, for many and for generations. So 
Um, if we were to make, if we were to try to offer some kind of practicality to the pastors and lay people that are listening, sure. Um, and to say, how do we help? Uh, you know, bring this aspect, this 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 depth of spirituality, this reenchantment, what have you, into your church. It's not like one of the things to do is to say, let's move our worship experience from just our heart, our heads, and and yes. bring our hearts into it. Um, but more than just the sappy spirituality that you find at praise worship, right, right, and not to yeah. dismiss that. Well, no, I, no, to dismiss no. that. I think I just did. <laughs> well, I, I might be right behind you for. Yeah, well, I, well, because I, I mean, one of the things I liked that we talked about earlier was that there was a physicality to your spirituality. Exactly. Um, yeah, there, there and were, that's that's something lacking in our our corporate worship experience. Yeah, you know, certainly in you know American Baptist churches that mm-hmm. I that I'm familiar with, um, you know, we don't even kneel to pray. Right. You know, we might come forward to receive communion, but that's about as much movement as we're likely to get until we're on our way to uh, coffee hour. We need to have more genuflecting. That's what I hear. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've but, even you know, talked this. Yeah. Go ahead. If we, we weren't uncomfortable with the body, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really does, you know, so contemplative spirituality needs to embrace the body. So the Lord's yeah. Prayer can be done as a body prayer. Okay. And there are many, you know, sort of Celtic prayers that um, involve body movement. Mm. You know, those are things that can be done, you know, if we can get over our uh, discomfort um, about being a bodied person. Right. Uh, we've got to that, number one. And I'll tell you, Mark, I'm in the front of the line about being just um, uncomfortable about being a bodied person. Whenever people suggest liturgical movement, I, f- I hear you. I freeze right up. I'm like, no. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Been there. Felt that. <laughs> uh, but I think that's an important point is also that it's, uh, part of the struggle I have actually is this, that not everything works for everyone. No, no. And, and so we partially are asking everyone, take chances, step out of your comfort zone, be right. uncomfortable, but also – be compassionate to those who aren't comfortable with what you're suggesting. And oh, pre- please. Yeah, and, and to find, a, find what works for you. My worry is that we become individualized in our spiritual pursuits, and we lose the corporate aspect of not just worship, but our whole identity of faith. So there's, there's a wonderful book on prayer by um, uh, a Jungian writer that, that – bases it in the Myers-Briggs uh, temperament inventory. Oh, praying the and temperaments. It, uh, well, there is that. I'm oh, it's a different one. Eating, who's uh, how you pray is who you are. Tell, say the author's name again. Charles Keating. Okay. How you pray is who you are. Keating. Yeah. Oh, so um, there are different ways of doing our spirituality mm-hmm. and, and our, our contemplative growth. So... But if we can expand our repertoire uh, a little bit, you know, walk a labyrinth. Mm, uh, yeah. We had a woman brought labyrinth to uh, our employee um, uh, stress-free day here, set oh. up in our main dining room. Nice. And, and really had a good experience with it. That's great. Um, to, you know, try some body prayer on your own. Yeah. Uh, to... Do some meditation and mindfulness, uh, contemplative prayer. Yeah. Those are ways of 
getting the mind into the heart, getting the mind out of the way. So if we can expand our repertoire in practical ways, um, specific ways that, you know, are good given who we are, our, our individuality, um, that that's going to help. Right. Uh, you know, there are congregations, uh, in a network called, um, uh, wild church. Okay. Who meet outside for worship. Oh, nice. Outside. Who incorporate Where there's outside, no roof. Huh? <laughs> no roof, the sky. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, uh, Canterbury, New Hampshire, there's uh, Church of the Woods. Okay. You know, they have uh, a wooden altar. Nice. Uh, the, the trees are the sanctuary. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, and they have, um, you know, twice Sunday, it's an Episcopal Mass. Um, you know, and, and folks come and camp, they hike trails. Mm-hmm. Um, if you stay there, they have retreats, uh, so you can enjoy silence as part of that. And contemplate they, on nature. What do they do so, uh, in June when black fly season is at its worst? Uh, you probably want to wear a, a veil. <laughs> some, some kind of net. For, it's for going to be flies. a veiled worship service. That's exactly. good. That's good. That's <laughs> Maybe there's smudges. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we love all creation except for these black flies. They're deaf. <laughs> we burn sage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a uh, one of the one of the revelations I've been growing into with with my time in in the wilderness is that the wilderness is not done yet either. No, that that is continuing to emerge and become um, the heaven that that God is intending it to be. And and uh, hopefully there'll be a point in which we can be in a harmonious relationship with the mosquitoes and the black flies. I don't know what that will look like because I can't imagine it. <laughs> well, we'll have to put on our our uh, imaginative mind. <laughs> yeah, right. That, I'm giving that one to God. God's going to figure that one out. Mark, what do you think? What are the next steps for you in this journey? Because it sounds like you are in the very much in the midst of it, in the thick of it. Um, truly so. I mean, it, it's it's all about um, contemplative formation. Yeah. At this point. Um, it's deepening my own individual and personal practice. Uh, I'm a part of a small group. Um, we are, um, sort of in covenant with one another. There's nine of us in my small group at Hayden Institute. Yeah. Uh, we zoom, um, on a regular basis to kind of stay in touch, uh, in the interim six months. Great. Um, I, I have, uh, folks, um, so I, I have a spiritual director uh, that I Zoom with um, or FaceTime with Mm -hmm. in Chicago. Um, Another term for spiritual director is um, Anamkara. That's the Celtic term for soul companion. Oh, okay. I I have... um, you know, conversation, you know, sort of around the the new moon. So the, the mm. time when new possibilities are, oh, that's nice. are, are able to emerge. Um, yeah. So it's just being mindful of the cycle of, of uh, you know, nature and creation over the year. Mm. Um, that that's one way to come in tune with um, um, the divine feminine who is all about the the change of the seasons and yeah. the, the seasons of the soul. Um, 
I'm looking forward to after graduation of doing um, mostly group spiritual direction. Yeah. So you know, that lends itself to um, being outside, mm. um, having a nature journal that is a, a spiritual um, and contemplative journal as well. Right. I'm looking forward to um, having workshops, retreats, um, possibly conferences on how do we have conversation uh, in order to bring together into synthesis and harmony the sacred masculine and the divine feminine. Right. So this conversation, recovering this conversation, I think needs to happen, especially for men hmm. and for, for boys. So yeah. how to uh, how to do that, I'm not sure, but it um, you know, it's going to take a village uh, in working with some like-minded people who feel that this is um, uh, a moment when this is a right moment when this can um, be brought to people who would be receptive. Mm. So it's looking at, you know, my own individual work, uh, right. group work with others, right. and trying to share um, how we have a responsibility to do better. There's a whole, um, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, Wild Church. Yeah. Um, probably familiar with Ched Myers. Yeah. Uh, New Testament theologian. Yep. Uh, and a knight. Um, so he has a, a wonderful resource um, um, called Watershed Discipleship. Hmm. And that's about how do congregations um, take responsibility for their bioregion. For that place in which they live. Oh, you know, that's neat. Wendell Berry says, you know, we can't be worried about the ecological crisis. It's just, it's too amorphous. It's too untenable. It's, you can't right. get your head around. Right. But what can you do in your backyard, in the lot, you know, at the end of the street? Right. The park across town. You know, the river that needs to be cleaned up, you know, uh, in the spring or whatever. But take some individual responsibility and do what you can at that level, um, because that's way to be a good steward of creation. Yeah. And to be responsible, um, you know, it, to the community. Well, that's, so things like... Yeah. I mean, that that's I, what I love about this next step for you, or the next steps, or it's... You have a sense of direction, a sense of focus, but you're leaving it so open. And, and, and I think that is... That's a, just a wonderful... Um, example for others so you're not yeah. saying here's my five-year plan here's my 10-year plan you're saying <laughs> i've like, never been never been a planner uh, yeah, right. those, well <laughs> well you know confirm that jonathan but I, I do believe i do believe what einstein says that we can only create what we can first imagine mm. so you know that creativity is is a part of the vision that's part of yeah um you know the uh Joel and Acts 2, um, endowment of the Holy Spirit, that, you know, we be open to the Spirit's movement uh, right. and where we're led to find opportunities to be um, faithful to the kingdom of God as um, Christ's disciples. So, Beautiful. you know, it will take different forms from whatever I just told you it might yep. be, but, um, you know, that's, that's all to unfold. That's great. So uh, I want to. I appreciate you sharing this on on the show. Um, I I know this is essential stuff, and I want to encourage others wherever you are in your journey um, to start to be aware of the enema 
of the feminine in your in your life, um, women and men, because I know it's it, our culture has worked hard to silence that aspect of who we are so that we can reach the wholeness of, of, of who we are. Uh, Mark, you also are an interim pastor. Right now you're at which church? It's uh, First United Church of Waterford, New York. Of Waterford, New York. And what time is your worship service? It is at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. On Sundays? Sunday mornings. Third and (laughs) Broadway. And, oh, sorry, third and division. Third and division. Uh, not that not that you're creating division, but go to not, division uh, for a sense of unity. There we go. Absolutely. Um, so if you want to go hear Mark preach uh, and just enjoy his, his sense of liturgy and worship, go to the United Church of Waterford. Um, First United. First United. Second United yes, is uh, all about division. They're no good. In USA and American Baptist. Oh, fantastic. So go to, go to First United in Waterford, New York. Um, or you can... Um, you know, you can retire and go to the Baptist Health Nursing Re- Rehabilitation Center or break your hip. Break a hip. Break Absolutely. a hip or a knee. Go there for your, for your rehab. Bring, um, bring your insurance. Yeah, they accept all, all kinds of insurance, I'm sure. And, and Mark will sit and pray with you and chat and, and maybe, maybe, maybe you know, enjoy a nice game of chess or cards or something like that. They allow you to play cards Love. at this Baptist home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so that's it's that's clearly an American Baptist home. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much for being on the show. It was wonderful to have I you. I appreciate it, Jonathan. It's been uh, it's been great. Delightful. Well, there it was, the conversation I had with Mark. I, I thought that was just fantastic. Uh, I just love the way he brings in a different kind of awareness of our sense of identity, our sense of connection with the arts, um, with just enchantment really is. I know it was a sponsor at the beginning, but it really is an important part of who we are. Uh, this may have stirred some stuff for you. You may have walked away or listened to part of it and said, I don't know if I can go that far. That's great. Good. I hope we pushed you. And you know what? Let me know about it. If you want to send a comment about some things that were said or not said or anything else on this show or other shows, send those to 12enough at gmail.com. Come to the um, homepage, the webpage, 12enough.com where you can find show notes for this show and past shows, blog posts, all those fun kinds of things. It's fun. It's fun. You get a coloring book. You get crayons. Um, and they're served in like a little cup. They could probably drink juice out of a previous time. And, you know, you can find the treasure. It, it's a lot of fun. This is what we do for you. That's what I do for you. Uh, go to Facebook, Facebook slash 12 enough, and, you know, follow along with what else is happening with the show. And, of course, on iTunes, please like and rate the show. Put a comment about the show. That really makes a difference. It's really important. Uh, It really helps out. So thank you for all that. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host was Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Ian, Mark Chapin, the Interfaith Chaplain at the Baptist Health Nursing and Rehabilitation Center at Scotia, New York. 
the thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, moments of pausing, moments of brilliance, moments of saying, huh, hmm, huh. They do not necessarily reflect the pastor of their, their churches. They do not reflect their places of employment, the states they live in, the families that still claim them, um, or anyone else of that nature. These were their ideas. This is their podcast.